Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we are finishing our previews with the Central Division. Uh, we are doing this on the night that the NHL is starting as we are recording. It's 5.30 p.m. and I am watching the Nashville Predators play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Chase and I were just talking off air about how glorious it is to have games start before 7 p.m. and it is something we both would be fans of seeing more often. Yeah, it's actually it's such a shame that they don't do that like consistently. It'd be so nice just to have hockey games on almost at all times. Yeah, I, I again I get why they don't because it is a gate driven league, and as much as we are freaks about being able to watch hockey at like four p.m. or whatever, I know that probably isn't when most people in the market would be able to watch it. But I would just selfishly love to see it more often. One hundred percent. Um, before we get into the central division, let's, uh, take a look at a pretty big contract that was signed this week in a different division that we've already previewed. And, um, honestly, I guess there was two, one we'll touch on just really quickly. And I don't even think I brought this up, but that's Jamie Drysdale. I don't believe we didn't touch on him last time we recorded. We did uh hit on Zegris, but Drysdale hadn't signed. Uh, and the reason I say, let's just quickly bring this up is because I feel very similar about the Drysdale contract as I do the Zegris one in terms of our conversation on Zegris was kind of just, it, it's, it makes sense why they didn't want to risk giving them big term, big money contracts. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, if these guys turn out to be exactly what they hope to be top level players and you have to pay them down the road, you just aren't really getting value right now out of these players in terms of like Drysdale at $2.3 million for three years. If he's a $7 million defenseman for the next three years, again, like I just don't see maybe by the third year you get the upside, but like Jamie Drysdale being a number one defenseman this year for $2.3 million just means your team is 20 third instead of 25th or whatever so that's why i'm just again i get not wanting to take a risk especially on drysdale who is so like we just don't have as much data as you know other guys at his age maybe but i just i don't totally see the upside on this contract yeah the upside's fairly limited you've covered your downside the thing with drysdale too is like I guess I understand not wanting the downside more because I see like they have more high quality defensive prospects relative to how many spots are on an NHL defense than they do a forward, I guess. So maybe it's better to hedge a little more with Drysdale, but I agree. It's a lot of the same logic where what do you really win with this bridge? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I don't have any like aggressive take on it or anything like that but i just kind of it is what it is I, again like i don't it's not the end of the world and I, if you have to pay him a lot of money in three years because he's really good there's a lot worse problems to have uh than that but it's just one of those things where it's like i, I don't know man yeah and i mean plus cv contracts are always nice so i don't know maybe it is smart but i just kind of see it as a meh it yeah. is what it is I uh, I completely agree. All right, and the massive contract that was signed that wasn't in this division is Rasmus Dahlin signing $11 million for eight years, $88 million total. The 24-year-old coming off of his bridge deal now locks in uh, for eight more seasons with Buffalo at quite the price. 
Chase, you had some really good thoughts on this, so I'm going to give you the floor on this one. What did you think of this contract? Yeah, so I look at this contract in a couple different ways, and I'll sum it all up at first. I tweeted that this is the defensive version of the Mitch Marner contract, and I think I stand by that. Basically, like, I would rather have this contract than not have this contract. Stars are, on average, underpaid in the NHL. You would rather have the star who's overpaid relative to his comparables than not have this star. In that sense, it's a win for Buffalo. You get the star player for term, which is great. But like, there's essentially no way this contract looks good relative to his peers signed at a similar age. Like he's making 1.5 more than than Fox and Makar, I believe. I think a full two more than Makar on top of my head. Like, it's it sticks out like a sore thumb, and I know he's. They're buying more UFA years, and like, right, there's there is that to it, but I don't know. I I don't see a way in which he could possibly, relative to the comparables, like outperform this contract. I think more likely he just this just looks like a a normal deal, but I don't know. Signing deals with capped upside like that scares me. Yeah, like, I, I agree that I definitely would like this on my team more than not. But again, like, even for the UFA years, I get that it's more than, um, yeah, someone like Makar. But Charlie McAvoy just signed 9.5 by 8 as a 24-year-old as well, which I'm pretty sure bought up the same amount of UFA years. And Charlie McAvoy is better than Rasmus Dahlin and makes $1.5 million less than him. Like, Yeah, I saw that somebody was like, well, I got because I thought of McAvoy as well, and I was like, well, McAvoy signed, and Delian has more upside. It's like, does he? Like, no. Charlie McAvoy's been the second best defenseman in the world. Like, you really, no one has more upside than that other than Kale McCarr. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he'll yeah, be flashier. Just... He'll get the results in a more aesthetically pleasing way, I suppose, but, like, that's not actual value. No, and just, like, yeah, I don't like as you said. Um, like the the Marner comparison is a really good one because I, I feel like it was similar conversations when we had the Marner one. It's just the fan base about it was freaking out more. Where you know Buffalo, I think generally speaking, is very happy to sign this contract and again. Like I would take Rasmus Dahlin on my team. Um, you know, and even at eleven million dollars, I, I think it's it's whatever. Like there is more risk there than I think Buffalo fans want to admit, but I think it's more likely than not he turns out to be an $11 million defenseman for the next eight years, um, especially with the cap going up, obviously. But like, yeah, it's just the same thing where it's like, sure, Mitch Marner's deal, he's going to be worth that money, but Miko Rantanen just signed for $2 million and you could argue he's a better player or ju- definitely just as good as Marner. It's the same idea with um, Rasmus Dahlin where it's like, I just, yeah, like the, every comparable of like top tier defensemen who... Again, I would argue are much, not much better, but better than Deline have signed for less money. And it's just like UFA years are important enough, sure. But like, are three UFA years difference worth like a $2 million AAV difference for Makar versus Deline? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so at all. Like, Deline completely reset the market until like Makar's not going to reset the market for another four more years. So it's like, there's basically no way for him to outperform that contract. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I completely agree. So, 
Um, and then what'll be even more interesting, I think now, because, you know, you want to talk about people getting mad at, uh, I'm not getting mad, but that's not the right word, but the conversation so many times with Toronto is all oh, their stupid sign John Tavares. Cause it meant all their young guys said, well, that's my starting point. I really want to know what this does for Owen power now, because yeah. if Deline's making 11 and his, I should mention also his 11 kicks in next year. Uh, he still makes six for the, the, this season. Um, but yeah, if Deline's making 11 starting next year, power will be an RFA starting next year. You know, this is the last year of his ELC already. So it's like, if they use Owen power in a number one role and he gets just as much usage as Deline and, and plays even like 95% as good. I don't know how you don't see Owen Power going, well, I'm four years younger. They're three years younger than Deline. Give me the 11 and add an extra 500K on top of that. Yeah, because like, and yeah, the RFA, UFA will be different, but like, Power will almost certainly, because Deline broke out at 23, Power hit the league at 19. Deline did have that good rookie year, but Power can probably be as good or better than Dalene through like every age. Yeah, like 100%. I like that's I, an easy path. He was better at 19 than Dalene was already. He almost certainly, barring it, will be better at 20 than Dalene was at 20. He will be better at 21. He'll be better at 22. And then 23 is when it gets hard because Dalene was like a Norris contender this year. But like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of leverage. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. Like, I, again, we it sounds like we're pretty negative on this contract. Again, I like, I love Rasmus Dallin as a player. He had a phenomenal year last year. It'll be really interesting to see what he does this year, if he can repeat it, because if he repeats what he did last year, he'll no doubt be worth $11 million. Um, but I don't know. It's just one of those things where there's definitely more risk, I think, than the unilateral win this was being celebrated from what I saw from Sabres fans. Yeah, exactly. And like I know Dalene was a like a generational defensive prospect and whatnot, but like he needs to be a Norris contender for this contract to not to, to not suck. And he's been a Norris contender once. Um now I I think that will continue. Like I ranked him very, very highly, but I mean there's a non zero chance that I don't want to say last year was a fluke because he's obviously hyper talented, but like even if he's a normal number one defenseman, which is well within that range of outcomes. I mean, this is a aggressive overpay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I may be a little higher on the contract than you, but not like, I, I think there are, there's significant risk here. That's for, especially cause like the other thing I kept seeing and, and there probably is something to it, but like, the amount of, not excuse, I don't know if that's the right word, but like the amount of times I've seen, well, Ralph Kruger sucked as a coach since this guy, these guys got a new coach. They've all been great. So that clear that clearly shows it was all Ralph Kruger's fault. It's like, there's some truth to that, but I don't think that's how that works either. Like just because they had a coach for two years doesn't mean that we should just throw away all of their results that were dog shit. Yeah, 100%. And Dallin's, I know age is a factor with somebody this young, especially as a defenseman, but like Dallin's played a lot of not Ralph Kruger hockey in his NHL career still. And I mean, like, would you like, 
I would rather have last year's Rasmus Stalin's impact than $11 million in cap space, but like, he's not exceeding that. Like, we've never seen him exceed it. We've only seen him either match it or go under, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, he can grow, but like 20, what's he turned 24 this year? Twenty, Yeah, he's 24 when the contract kicks in, so next year. Yeah, so like by 24, the defensive aging curve, you're not going up for much longer than uh, for as long as some people think. Too. Yeah, and I guess my last point on this, because we we do need to get to the season previews here, but I, I just, this is one of them where I, I, I totally understand the whole thing of like, you want to lock the core in. We've seen Ottawa do it. You want to make sure you keep your players happy and all that stuff. But like, I just don't see how his value would have skyrocketed, even if he had another good year like last year. Like he's not worth more than $11 million next off season if he has a repeat repeat of last year, is he? No, I don't. I don't think so. If he wins the Norris, sure, but that means he—that he means is. he would grow, and then I don't think half this contract is not applicable. You know, and, and the whole point is kind yeah. of—I don't—I don't know if I see him as a Norris winning defenseman. What are the odds he wins a Norris on this contract? Say like less than five percent. So that's Maybe. funny. You're. You would pick a lower number there than I would. You're higher on the contract. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I struggle to kind of predict the likelihood of Norris winning. Like there, you sent me a graphic a couple months ago and it was like projection or percentages of people to likely win. And they had like, even just like they had Jake Sanderson at like 29% or something like that. It's like, man, I love Jake Sanderson, but there, there's only one that you can win every year. Um, so saying there's a 30% chance seems so aggressive, you know? But even if you want yeah. to say like 15 to 20% for Deline, sure. I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing it because I'm not sure he's ever going to get into the top five defenseman category. And I think that he might have a guy on his team in Owen Power that could be better than him. Yeah, Power absolutely could be better than him. <laughs> yeah, Power is very good. And yeah, to the Kruger thing too, like Deline wasn't good 21-22. And Kruger was fired in March 2021. So that's a full season without him, which he still looked bad. Yeah, yeah. I Not don't know. Bad, like relative to an elite defenseman. Yeah. Bad. The kind of thing I've seen is that he's grown since then or like keeps growing or whatever, which I, again, like it, there is some truth to that. I don't think he is a $3 million defenseman or anything. I think he's a number one. I just think it's kind of closer to like the, 13 to 25 range than it is 1 to 10. Yeah, this year will be pretty telling for it. It seems like they hedged against a huge year, but I I don't really see how much a huge year would have changed that number. Yeah, I I completely agree. All right, well, that was longer than I thought we were going to take on that, but that is totally okay. Let's move on to our season previews here, and we will start at the bottom, as we always do. Uh, Teams that are still rebuilding do not have a chance at playoffs. We'd be very surprised. Uh, I have one team fully in this tier and one kind of hedging on it, but I'm going to put only one just fully, fully rebuilding. The other one I think you could make an argument for, but I almost have them in their own tier. You know, no, I'm going to change it. I have two teams in this tier, but very separated. The bottom team I have in this division should be a surprise to no one. It is the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> There's pretty much no slice in that. Yeah, um, like, again, I, I think they've done, for winning the lottery, 
you know, we've talked about it at length this year. Uh, they won the lottery in such an interesting time. You're never not going to take Connor Bedard, but it almost felt like they were better set up to get the star prospect a year or two from now uh, versus right now. But considering, you know, where they were at with their roster last year, they get Bedard, Bedard, sorry. I think they did a really, really, really good job this offseason of going and getting talent that can at least just shelter him. And even a couple guys like Taylor Hall, Ryan Donato to play with him. So he's not playing with non-NHL caliber players. Um, but there's just not enough overall talent on this team to be good. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much the problem. <laughs> just think, what, what do they need? Like seven more NHL players to be good? Eight, nine, ten? Like, Yeah. Like, I mean, so they Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, Ryan Donato is their projected first line. Tyler Johnson, Lucas Reichel, Taylor Radish is their second line. Boris Kachuk, Cole Gutman, Andre- Andreas Athanasiu, their third line. Corey Perry, Jason Dickinson, Nick Foligno is their fourth line. I don't mind their fourth line. I think that's a fine fourth line on any team, to be honest. Their third line scares me. Yep. You know, I, I don't mind Athanasiu, but the other two players, I don't I don't even know if I've heard of Cole Gutman. Um, their second line, again, Lucas Reichel has potential, but Tyler Johnson and Taylor Radish just aren't second line players in the NHL. And Taylor Hall, I, again, I, I love getting Taylor Hall for Bedard. I just don't think Taylor Hall's a legit first line forward at this stage in his career. And Ryan Donato is not a first line forward. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Hall would probably be a good like third fiddle, but he needs to be the the primary guy to set up Bedard. Yeah. And then like, he needs to be on a one, like a part of a duo that carries with the first line, which I don't know. Yeah, and the and the scary thing about this team and why we have them at the bottom is I think their forwards are the strength of this team, relatively speaking, anyways. You know, like they are. Because their defense is Alex Vlasic, Seth Jones, Kevin Krasinski, Connor Murphy, Jared Tenorti, and Wyatt Kaiser. Um, I don't hate Connor Murphy. And Seth Jones, I think, is probably a little underrated in just terms of like his contract and the trade were so terrible. But people sometimes talk about him as he's like a third pair non-NHL defenseman. He's not that. He's just not yeah. a top 15 that people are trying to shoe him into be. Yeah, exactly. Like, why XG is a positive RAPM guy at even strength playing on an awful team with no help against tough competition? So, like, it's, he's a good player. He's just, yeah, the trade ruins what people think of him. I always feel bad for guys like that. Yeah, exactly. And then net, they have Petr Mrazek and Arvid Soderblom. Um, I think the goal for them is probably to hope that Soderblom kind of takes over the starting role by the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I think it'll probably be Peter Mrazek starting right now. And even Soderblom, like he's he's 24 years old, an undrafted rookie um, who's played 18 games in the NHL. I don't maybe okay, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna retract my statement about him taking over Mraz. I just don't think they not that they don't have a plan, but for this year, I don't think they really care who's playing that for them. Yeah. And I don't think that's the end of the world. We always talk about tank through crappy goalies. And yeah, they seem well positioned to do so. Yep, exactly. Um, all right. One thing that we're curious to watch. I mean, I just can't do anything other than Connor Bedard. That's I just don't think there's another answer. Oh, I got one. Okay. Does Peter Morazic bounce back? I I doubt it. Yeah, like, I just think even if he is okay, I don't know. Like, it's been two years now in a row of him being absolutely awful to the point where even if he's like a 905 this year, I just don't really have much faith that that's going to be a long-term thing. 
Oh, it's definitely not a long-term thing. I'm more thinking, could they get something out of him if he plays average? The old trade the goalie because he's ruining the tank strategy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I just, the only reason I will, and I will be tuning into a few of this team's games for sure, which I did not do last year, but it's for Connor Bedard. I yeah, want to see how, to do yeah. I want to see if Bedard looks, and this is obviously high bar. I'm not saying he has to or anything, but the last two prospects that were kind of compared to Bedard were McDavid and Matthews, and both of them came out of the gates absolutely flying. I want to see if Bedard can do the same thing. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. So, um, all right, you have their over-underline, correct? I do. So they were a 59-point team last year. Where do you think it is this year? Uh, well, it's got to be up because 59 is horrid. Um, I and will they say... Their best. Yeah, and they, I say they added the best. I will say 66 and a half. Okay, I was thinking that range too. It's 71 and a half. Jeez. Dom has some projection for 71.1. I guess they did just add a lot of NHL talent, which they didn't have last year, even if it is third and fourth line talent. Um, yeah. yeah, there was I, a lot of teams I had heard of. Yeah, and like this division, and we'll obviously get into this, I think the bottom could fall out of this division very, very easily. Um, Maybe a little less likely now with some of the contracts that were just signed this week with the team we'll get to in a bit, but I just like, Obviously, Colorado, and I like Dallas a lot too. But after that, like there are very, very obvious flaws, in my opinion, with every single other team in this division. So, this division has an easy path to three train wrecks, not including Chicago. I don't think yeah. it's the most likely outcome, but it's at least possible for three other teams. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, I would probably still go the under on Chicago slightly, but I mean, if you told me they had 72 points or whatever, I wouldn't be shocked. I would still put them at like 29th in the league. Exactly. So, okay. That is one team down. Uh, the other team I have kind of in their tier here. And, and again, I think there's a trio of teams that are like kind of there, but I think this team, the reason I'm going to put them in the rebuilding thing is because I think they've accepted that they're rebuilding and that's the Nashville predators. You, the Predators seven in this division. I think so because I think they are going to keep selling off pieces and I don't know how much UC Soros can do to hold that off. Wow. Okay. I have them higher and a whole tier above. Interesting. I just, their roster sucks, dude. I mean, UC Soros is the giant X factor here, which absolutely terrifies me because he is so much better than any of the other goalies that are around teams that I have here. Um, He's the best player on the bottom four teams in this division by a gross margin. Yeah, and completely agree. And maybe I'm a little too low on this team just in terms of, like, because Roman Yossi is very good as well, but, like, I don't know half their forwards. Yeah, their forward court's ugly. Remember when this team had, like, a loaded defense court, too? Like, that is not the case anymore. No, like Roman Yossi's a very, very good defenseman, but, you know, he's like a fourth forward, basically. Luke Shen is not, he's projectors are number one right-handed D right now. He is not where you want. He's an okay number six. Then they have Ryan McDonough, who's looked washed for a couple of years. I think he was okay in Nashville last year, but like, I just, I don't think he's great. Alexander Carrier, Jeremy Lawson, and Tyson Berry. Like, yeah, it's pretty ugly. And, 
maybe, and th- this is probably reading a little too much into it, but I can absolutely see this Nashville team. If you see Soros twist an ankle or something like that, he's sitting for a month and a half. Yeah. Like, there would I, be I just, no they should trade him. That's what they should do. Literally. Yeah. I, I don't, do. No, I don't think they will, but like, I just think the floor is so low with this team that the median outcome probably isn't them being seventh, if I'm being honest, but I just, to me, unless Soros goes absolutely 935 for like three months, which we know he can do, but even then, this roster is so bad. I, I just don't see them making the playoffs. Yeah, I don't see them making the playoffs either. But like if Arizona is getting 900 goaltending and Nashville's getting 918 goaltending or something like that, like there's almost no way the Arizona skaters can make up that gap. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, and but I, I don't know, like because the other thing too is like Arizona. While I'm not totally buying them being like this, like playoff frisky team or anything, they at least have upside with guys like Logan Cooley and uh, Dylan Gunther and stuff like that. The Nashville Predators have none of that with prospects. No, they're they're. I'm with you that the outcomes are very skewed. Like I think their median outcome is they're just like a forgettable they're picking ninth overall or whatever and then the the floor is like really bad there isn't i don't see a path to this team scoring 100 points or whatever but like yeah they do have like o'reilly and philip forsberg and like plus like there's nhl talent plus yossi and saros which is really where most of it resides is more high-end talent than exists on any other team at the bottom of this division yeah, that's fair. And I guess like they do have Tomasino that might provide a little bit of rookie spark or whatever you want to call it on an ALC still, who was their first round pick from 2019. But I don't know. Like, I just, I don't love this roster. I never really have loved, loved this roster, but I've also been lower on this roster for two years now. And I think it's probably because Soros has just absolutely carried them. So maybe I would bump them up a couple spots, but I have them in the rebuilding tier because I think unlike the next two teams we're about to get to, they actually acknowledge that they don't want to be good. Um, And I think they would be totally okay if the bottom fell out of this team. Yeah, I would think so. And they, they, they drafted really well last year and stuff. They're clearly focused on that, looking at all the picks they've stockpiled. So I think that's a fair assessment. Um, All right. So I'm assuming you probably have them fifth in this division. I did, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was debating putting them, so I had them, again, originally I had them in a tier with St. Louis and Arizona, spoiler alert for the, the other two teams. Um, but I, I bumped them down the last second just because, again, like they might not actually be seventh in this division, but unlike St. Louis and Arizona, who I genuinely think both teams want to improve this year versus last year, I think this team is okay taking a step back. Oh, they're definitely okay taking a step back. I don't really see a world in which they don't take a step back. Yeah, and they they have three seconds, two thirds, and three fourths already this year. They have Tampa's first next year, so um, yeah, they're they're doing a good job, and, and so that's why I had them a little lower. Again, probably not their median outcome. Um, there's not a lot I'm excited with this. I guess I'll watch. I want to just see how much usually Saros can carry a team. Is be the thing that I'll keep an eye on this year. Yeah, that's a good pick. Honestly, nothing about this NHL roster excites me, but my prospect model really liked Matthew Wood, their first-round pick, 
one of their two first round picks from last year. So I'll probably look at that more than the rest of their NHL roster combined, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, I'm just looking at Dom's. So he had them ahead of Arizona and St. Louis slightly as well. Uh, I will guess their line. I know I'm definitely lower on them than what the line would probably be. They had 92 points last year. I guess the line is 86 and a half. That is exactly the line. Really? Let's go. Wow. I can, I would almost go under. Dom has them at 89 projected points. So this is one where he like he has them at 36% chance for playoffs. That sounds crazy. That's kind of what I think as well. Um, I'm just looking. I'm assuming his model like really, really, really likes um, UC Soros. Yeah. Like, and it pl- probably does account for the fact that the division's going to suck. Yep, exactly, which is which is fair enough. But yeah, like Saros is a plus 18 net rating. Roman Yossi plus 17. But then like, again, their forward core. Ryan O'Reilly plus three. F- Philip Forsberg plus nine. No one else is above plus two. Jeez. And that's Cody Glass at plus two. Then you have yeah. like Tomasino as a rookie at zero. Cole Smith is minus eight. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But again, I think that's probably just a lack of data. Um, but as soon as he starts, everyone at even zero, which might actually help these guys because more data might be worse. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, this team is just so underwhelming to me. And I, I really don't see the ceiling. I get like, I guess with Saros, the ceiling is technically there, but from an, an overall roster standpoint, this roster just stinks in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, who did you have in seventh then? St. Louis or Arizona? I had Arizona. I, I think there's some upside here, but I still I do think their median outcome is still seven. I agree. I had them literally on my sheet, just side by side. I really could be talked into either way. I think these two teams for projection should be like within a point or two of each other. Yeah. Um, the lines have them all. I, they're spread out a little more than that, but like they're broadly same tier of team which makes sense i think yeah i i agree um let's start with arizona then um I, i'll say they're sixth for my man we didn't even put them fifth i i don't really care um dom has the arizona projected at 82.9 and st louis at 80.2 which is interesting Again, we kind of mentioned it last week. The big talk with Arizona recently has been, oh, they could be like a frisky playoff team. I just don't see it. Um, I think they need still, there is upside definitely. And this is probably the most encouraged Arizona should be about the roster in a long time. And I'm including the year they randomly made the playoffs in like the bubble or whatever. I just like, to me, this roster actually has upside of like, you can be more than the 12th best team in the league, which is what that roster kind of signaled to me. Yes. And I'm not saying 12th best this year. I just mean like going forward. There's hope. Yeah, there's something to actually look forward to. And like, the what do you want to watch on this team? There's an actual answer to that question that any hardcore hockey fan will be able to see. But like, from a median projection perspective, like they, they still have one forward I know is going to be good and zero defensemen and zero goalies. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's just, there's so much um, question marks with this team in terms of, like, 
Yeah, up front, you have Clayton Keller, Barrett Hayton, Nick Schmaltz as your first line. Clay- Clayton Keller is a, a very, very, very good player. Um, yep. I'm not going to say he, he's probably underrated in terms of a casual fan perspective, but in terms of anyone who's probably listening to a hockey podcast, I don't think he's underrated um, because, yeah. Um, and then, you know, Nick Schmaltz, I think, is a fine player as well. Probably not a guy you want on your first line, but like, if he's the third wheel in your first line, it's okay. And then Barrett Hayden, I'm not as sold on, but we'll see. And then Jason Zucker, Logan Cooley, Alexander Kerfoot, uh, Matthias uh, Maselli, Nick Bukestad, Lawson Kraus, uh, Michael Carcone, Jack McBain, and Liam O'Brien. Like, it's just, I think most of those guys are NHL players, but I, I just don't know the the absolute ceiling on it. And then obviously, like, a guy like Dylan Gunther is going to be a huge X factor of can he come in and make an actual difference. Yeah, Gunther's a pretty necessary piece, and like he basically needs to be a first line player if they're going to be a playoff team, which is a lot to ask of somebody that young. But I think I think he could fill in as like a middle sixer pretty comfortably. Yep, I agree. And then you know, obviously down the road they're going to have Connor Geeky, who already has eight points in three WHL games at the Winnipeg Ice. Um, this year, which is absurd, but obviously he won't be on their team this year because he is in the WHL. But um, yeah, I mean, I just like, I don't know. I'm of two schools of thought of like, I really thought I was going to be a little higher on on Arizona than people coming into this year. And then, yeah, literally people were like, oh, they could be like a frisky playoff team. It's like, mm, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. Yeah. And I know people love their prospects. Like, I've and I think Cooley will be good, but like if Logan Cooley is a, is as good as Clayton Keller the moment he steps into this league, and Dylan Gunther is also a second line forward, there's still not a playoff team. No, especially because like like people kept making a big deal of them signing Matt Dumba this offseason. I'm like Matt Dumba isn't that good. No, and they have zero good defensemen, or at least zero guaranteed to be good defensemen. Yeah, like Roman Yossi, you know you're getting competence even if he has a down year. You don't know you're getting competence from literally anyone on this blue line. No, and like, again, like the big thing about um, a guy like Ivan Provorov that I, I kept hearing people say is like, oh, like he was being used too much in Philly, like in Columbus he might be used less. And, and that's whatever, like. Maybe there's something to that, but Matthew Dumba isn't going to be used less than what he was in Minnesota, who is one of the best defensive teams we've ever seen, you know, just over like a 10 year span or whatever. And now he's going to a not great defensive team and probably going to be asked to play more. Well, that's the thing, right? Like there's nowhere to hide on this defense score. And even say you get traded to a team like Boston. And I know like now they have McAvoy and Lindholm, but back when it was just McAvoy, it's like, McAvoy might be able to hide you, but say McAvoy's not playing, the forwards can hide the defenseman, even if there's no other defenders to push you down the lineup. I don't think the forwards are doing that for the defenseman here. Even if Cooley is a 95-point player from day one, he is not going to be making the defenseman's lives exponentially easier with his defensive impact, I don't think is a fair assessment of his game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, just other names I have on the decor, Sean Dursey, Josh Brown, Troy Stetcher, Yusuf Alamaki, J.J. Moser, and Travis Dermott. So um, J.J. Moser could be a frisky fantasy play for anyone who wants that, uh, just because he's on power play one. 
So yeah, yeah. Whoever ends up on there probably one probably be a nice little waiver pickup. But, yeah, but <laughs> if we're talking actual hockey, yeah, I just like that's such a volatile defense group. Yeah. Of guys who are just like it, it's a really a mix of like guys who are probably overrated for name value guys who have some intriguing upside, but that's exactly what it is. They kind of got cast off their old team because they only have intriguing upside that they haven't hit. Yeah. Like it'd be cool if Travis Dermott's number five for them. And I think that's yeah. very popular, but like, yeah, that's not getting you anywhere really. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I am going to be keeping an eye on with this team is Ken, uh, Carol, uh, Melka or Vegemalka, sorry. Um, even repeat or get close to repeating kind of what he did last year in terms of like, he was a machine for different times of the season last year, almost ruining their tank. Yeah. That'll be a good one. He will need him to be, they want to be good. Yeah. And like, he only finished with a 900 save percentage. It wasn't that impressive if you look at it, but I'm pretty sure like three months into the season, his goal saved above expected. were like top eight in the league. Jeez. I do not remember that, but I do believe you. I could be wrong, but like I feel like it was just off the charts for a couple months and then dropped as the season went on, obviously. But yeah, that makes sense. Is there anything you were keeping an eye on with this team? It's got to be Cooley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair one. And even like Gunther as well. I think both of like just a couple of the young guys I think will be very interesting to watch, but Cooley's the most important. Exactly. Because like I think Gunther, like our model really likes him. I think there's a good you know, top six, probably really good second line power forward in there somewhere. Um, but like in terms of watchability, Logan Cooley is the best thing this team has had the chance to offer in as long as I can remember. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay. They... Not an exciting team. Yeah. Uh, they had 70 points last year. Um, definitely think their projection is going to be higher. What was Nashville's? 86 and a half. 86 and a half. I'm going to put them at 80 and a half. Yeah, it's 79 and a half. Okay. Yeah, it's right there. That seems about right. Yeah, good good improvement. Like, that's a five five win improvement, but also still should be bad as they are missing a lot of NHL. Or, like, meaning. I think they have a lot of replacement level players, but they, they have a lack of good players. Yeah, uh, Dom has them projected for 82.9 points, which is 24th in the NHL. And yeah, if you told me they came 24th in the league, I'd be like, that That seemed about right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, 82 points, 79 and a half. I don't know. Say it's juiced to the over eight. That's like a one-win difference between that line. So that, that absolutely checks out. Yeah. Uh, all right, the St. Louis Blues. Another t- I just, this is a team, I think you kind of mentioned, this is a team I could see disaster striking for if everything goes wrong. Yeah, these guys, Arizona has a potential with just not enough good skaters plus the goalies and whatnot. Um, Nashville has the potential that if Soros is bad, we went through the skaters, could get ugly really quick. And then St. Louis, I think there's a lot of different ways the bottom could fall out of this. Yeah, I, I will say I still had them higher than both Nashville and Arizona because they're about five or six forwards. I like more than a lot of the players on the other teams. Like, Philip Forsberg is the only player I would probably put from Nashville into St. Louis's top six. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly would flirt in there as well. Um, but, like, Buchnevich... They have a competent top six. 
part. Yeah, yeah, they do. Like Eugenovich, yeah. Thomas, Cairo, Brandon Saad, Braden Shen, Kasper Kapnan's in that. But the, the first five are not a bad top six. And then you throw Jakob Vrana in there as well, who hasn't really like really lived up to his potential. But if Jakob Vrana's on your third line, I think that is more than okay. Yeah. Um, And then even yeah. like a guy like Jake Neighbors on the fourth line, Oscar Sundquist, um, Sammy Blaze is on your third line, and then Kevin Hayes as well. Like, I just, I don't hate their forward core. I think their forward core has a pretty high floor in terms of like, it's not going to be near as bad. We're like, I, I absolutely see a way where Nashville, if Philip Forsberg can't do a bunch and Ryan O'Reilly just kind of looks like first half year Ryan O'Reilly from last year with St. Louis of all teams, they might be in a lot of trouble. And again, like Arizona, if Logan Cooley and Dylan Gunther aren't like dominant when they come up and start playing, like Gunther comes up and starts playing, they could be in trouble as well. Yeah. Versus this team, I just think like, I don't know if Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo are going to find their game to be good enough where it's like, St. Louis is a good team because they're on their first line, but I don't think St. Louis is going to be the 30th ranked team because those two are on their first line. Yeah, they give them a certain level of competence and respectability. We're like, and even if Bennington sucks again, like they should be able to outscore some problems in a way that Arizona, Nashville, and um, Chicago simply won't be able to do. Yeah, um, but the defense and goalie is what I'm very scared of with this team. Nick Letty, Colton Perrieko, Tori Krug, Justin Falk, Marco Scandella, Tyler, Tyler Tucker on the blue line. If this was three years ago, people would love that blue line because there is a lot of name value there. But Perrieko hasn't been good in years. Falk hasn't. I, Falk might have actually had a bounce back year, if I'm not mistaken, last year, um, but has had mixed results definitely over the past couple of years. Nick Letty is not what he used to be. Tori Krug is not what he used to be. Even Marco Scandella, I don't think, is what he used to be. Um, like this is just a, an old decor that I feel like every single player on it is past their best days. Yeah, I'm with you. Folks numbers. He's weirdly good on ice goal numbers. I'm pretty sure that's driven by the forwards who have been quite good at outperforming their XG, not 31 year old, Justin Falk, if I had to bet money on it, but he, he does technically have all right numbers off my driving numbers. Yeah. Perry, goes cooked. Bruger than what he was. Letty was really only good for what one year in the Islanders. It's just when I said a lot of ways it could go wrong. I don't think this team has an amazing bottom six. I think they have a pretty bad defense core, and there's a pretty decent chance the defense core is not getting bailed out by their goalie. Yeah, Jordan Minnington has been pretty atrocious for a couple of years now. So um, and- he's gotten worse every year since he's been in the league. Yeah, and, and like, granted, that's, you know, when you win a cup in your first league or first year, like, obviously, that's a high enough bar to fall from, but it's been a drastic fall. It's not like he's gotten, like, 10% worse. Yeah, exactly, and it's to the point where, like, I doubt he was a replacement-level goalie last year. Yeah, I kind of agree. I'll be interested to see, I guess, what their backup does. I've never heard of him fourth round pick a couple drafts ago. He had a 921 and 47 AHL games last year. So we'll see. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't think the upside is there with the defense or the goaltending at all. So that is definitely what scares me. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle for them. Um, The one thing that I am curious about is I want to see what Jakob Vrana can do. Um, you know, like we 
we've had discussions about him a couple times and including when the trade happened, he, when he went over to St. Louis uh, last year, he had 10 goals, four assists for 14 points in 20 games. If he can be a 60 something point player, I think that is a very extreme, extremely valuable find. If he can put up like 25 goals and 40 assists or whatever. 35. Yeah. yeah that'd be huge. And I love the bet on their part, even if it fails, it's not like they're anything really that bad is going to happen to them because of it. Yep, I, I completely agree. Uh, what about you? Uh, I, I like more data on Thomas and Cairo. They're they're interesting players to analyze. To analyze, we talked about them a bit, where they're kind of running above their their underlying numbers, and I always find players like that intriguing. So I want to see if they keep doing it. Yep, that's a that's a very good one. Uh, the Blues had eighty one points last year. Hmm. I am going to say their projection is probably very similar if I had to guess. I'm going to go 81 and a half. 83 and a half. Just so basically. Right there. I would probably shade to the under. I can see how this team bounces back a little, but again, I, there's so much volatility that I could absolutely see. I think it is more likely that they are a bottom three team than a team that is like competing for top three in this division, if that makes sense. But again, if they're like an 85 point team, that wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. If I had to pick, yeah, the eighty-five point thing, I would go the over slightly. Just Bennington goes from like extraordinarily bad to normal bad, and they win like two extra games. There you go. They hit eighty-four, eighty-six points or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a very fair take. Okay, we are halfway done here. Uh, my next team, I again, I kind of grouped it. Just debate if I want to group two in a tier here, but I, I decided to go with one team in the competing for a wild card spot tier, and that is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, they're kind of the only comfortable wild card team to me here. Yeah, I was going to maybe try and make an argument for another team, but I, I just, we'll get to them in a second. I just don't think, I think Winnipeg is just clearly kind of there. And if we did this podcast 24 hours earlier, I would have said there's a good chance the bottom can fall out on this team because they might trade Mark Shifley. They might trade Connor Hellebuck, but that is not happening anymore because they have signed both of those guys to fresh new seven-year extensions at $8.5 million per player. Uh, they will both be 30 years old, I believe, maybe even 31 when they kick in. Uh, let me just confirm that really quick. But uh, at the very least 30, they might even be 31. Um, they'll be 31 or Shifley will be, yeah. The yes, be yeah, because Dalabuck's already 30, so they'll be 31 when these contracts kick in. Um, let's do this real quick. I this is absurd to me, this is just absolutely mental. I this is, I can't believe this. I, I genuinely cannot believe this. They're defensible contracts if your team's really, really good. Uh, the team has not been really, really good with them at their core in, in some time. Yeah. Um, let's start with Hellebuck. I think that's the easier one to defend in terms of like the logic behind it is it's it's so hard to get a top five goalie. Um, and when you do, you want to keep them. But again, like as you said, this team is mediocre with a top five goalie. They need a, they needed to just blow it up and rebuild, you know, yeah. and I keep a couple people have said to me, oh, they have a bunch of young, intriguing young guys coming up. It's like, do they? They have Cole Perfetti who I really like, but like he's been hurt a bunch as well. And like, just hasn't exactly put all together at the NHL level. And then 
even Colbert Fetty doesn't really rank as a prospect for most people. So that most people have done prospect ranking from like 10 to 16 range. Like this isn't a team with a loaded prospect pool. Yeah. Like with this team having a quote unquote good prospect pool is a good litmus test for why people screw up thinking about prospects pools. Like it's, there's probably more quality here than most teams, but also like only a couple teams have a prospect pool that matters. Like I would trade all of this prospect pool for Leo Carlson and Leo Carlson was my fourth favorite prospect from this most recent draft. Yep. Like, yeah. I, I just, and again, like that, we were kind of talking about this off air, but like that prospect pool is fine. If you were the Pittsburgh Penguins who like, just need some guys to fill out the bottom of their roster or be a trade chip to go get like a third line player or whatever. It's not really great when it's like, we need this team because we don't have any additions that we're making on our NHL roster. We need these players to shoot us from 18th to sixth. If we want to win a cup. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see how any of that happens. Yeah. If you're, if you're a contender, this is like an amazing prospect pool, I would say, because most contenders have, awful prospect pools but like yeah and like brady kind of mentioned about he thinks they might still be close to the closer to the western conference final team like god bless the hope but like the last time this team was good good was 17 18 yep um and i think he was kind of saying he thinks the management thinks that um oh sorry then that's absolutely fair they they definitely do yeah um and so yeah, and like I, I do think that the moves they made this offseason are intriguing in terms of like I do think bringing in Rasmus Kupari, Alex Ayafalo, and Gabe Velarde for Pierre Luc Dubois was a pretty good make of the situation that they had. I just again, if the goal is simply to win a Stanley Cup, I don't think those guys are the guys that are going to put you over the top by any stretch of the imagination. You know, same with like Nino Niederreiter, a great player. You know, if he signs with. Um, I don't know. Name it. Name a team that's like like Carolina again, right? Like, yeah. you love you love him on Carolina's bottom six or whatever. But oh, in Winnipeg, man. it's just like like he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I see a road to this team making the playoffs, but absolutely. And I would have star players anymore. I would win there. Yeah, like, um, no, I, I, like Kyle Connor is a borderline star player. I don't, I think he gives a little too much defensively back, but he is very, very good offensively. Um, yeah. And Nikolai Ehlers is the guy I want to really watch with his team because I want to see if they start using him a little more. But again, he has missed 10 plus games every single year for the past five seasons. So it's like, can you trust him to be in the lineup for 65 plus games in a year? I don't know. Probably not. And then we haven't really we we talked about the hell about the Mark the fact that Mark Shifley got a two point two five million dollar raise on his last contract as a thirty one year old when this kicks in is just so crazy to me. I, I get it's going to happen. The cap's going up. He scores a lot, and people seem to just completely ignore. He doesn't play a lick of defense. But this dude is one of the more overrated players in the entire league, in my opinion. Like, people are trying to tout him as, like, a top 10 center for two or three years now. He is not that. This man's agent needs a raise. Yeah. Like, well, not even for the contract. Because, like, 
I think a lot of teams give him this contract, and that's a mistake for pretty much all of them. But like the PR this guy gets is incredible. Yeah, it's just insane. So, like I, I going back to your playoff point, I think especially in the conference they're in, you know, we we did the Pacific last week, and there's two teams we're very confident in, and then two teams that were like. They should be okay, but, you know, we don't know. And then there's Seattle and Vancouver where it's like they might not be very good. This conference definitely has a wild card spot or two open because, you know, this team is like Winnipeg is easily the fourth best team in this division, in my opinion. Um, like they are so much ahead of St. Louis, Arizona or Nashville. Uh, but the the ceiling just isn't there for this team in, in my eyes. I completely agree. If they're in the Atlantic. Do you pick them as a top five team in the division? They'd probably be in the tier with like Boston and Florida, but I think they'd be slightly behind that. Hellebuck makes it a little hard to kind of go with that, but like I think yeah, having Hellebuck. Pardon? I'd go Ottawa Buffalo tier, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think having Hellebuck definitely gives them a floor above both of those teams in terms of like, you know, we're seeing with Ottawa and Norris's shoulder injury, there is a, an avenue if their goaltending is not very good, it falls out. Whereas like Hellebuck's not allowing that to happen for Winnipeg, but I think Ottawa and Buffalo's ceiling is higher than this team. A hundred percent. Because the problem with this team is like, Hellebuck's great, but the upside on Hellebuck being great is kind of capped because... Like, best case scenario, Hellebuck's absolutely freaking elite, and they're just like a wild card team that gets passed in bad round one. Worst case scenario, Hellebuck's somewhere between good and average, and at which point they're pretty, they're not a playoff team. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then, yeah, their defense core, like, again, in 2017 18, it was unreal. Now it's Josh Morrissey, Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello, Dylan Samberg. Uh, Logan Stanley, like, it's just, I don't think there's any, like, complete, I mean, I don't know. I'm on the fence about Logan Stanley. He might not be an NHL player, but, like, it's fine. It's just not good. Yes, I agree. It's competent. It's the best one we've seen so far, but you're not winning playoff rounds because of it or anything. Yeah. Um, I'll go... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Ehlers as my thing to watch this year. What about you? Uh, I like Ehlers pretty much. The most visually exciting forward on this team anyways. I'll go with Perfetti. Another guy yep. model. Maybe Volardi too. Cool I was to about see. to say, I'm curious to see how they use IFL of Lardi and even Kupari, I think, in terms of just like, does that added depth at least assist this team? Because if, you know... If guys like Kyle Connor and even Mark Shifley can hold their weight offensively, I think having that depth scoring is something that they've they've lacked over the past couple of years. Yeah, that'll be an interesting trade-off because I losing Dubois, like this is an old mediocre team that did lose one of its best players, too. Yeah. And they just signed Shifley and Hellbuck for term as if they're a contender. Yeah, th those contracts are just, especially because it's like, you know, with Shifley's reputation, you could have got a first plus for him. You know, you were getting a first plus for Hellebuck. Like, you just could have kickstarted a rebuild, rebuild so easily. And it just, I don't know. It, it reminds me of like Calgary, except I think Calgary actually had upside to win a couple playoff rounds or whatever, where I'm not really sure this team does. No, I don't. 
Hell, I can lock them in one, I'm sure. Yeah. You can any team if they get 930 goaltending in a playoff series, they'll be fine. It's hard to be bad enough that you're not. Yeah. So um, they had 95 points last year. I'm going to guess it is pretty similar this year. I'm going to go 94 and a half. Let's give her a look. Pull it up. It is 92 and a half. Interesting. I might go slightly over. The, if I had to choose a side, I think I would go over, but I'm not like dying to do that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I wouldn't touch this one either. Um, Dom has them at 96 projected points, 15th in the league, 70% chance to make the playoffs for what it's worth. I th- Again, I think his model probably really likes Hellebuck, if I had to guess. Yeah, like Hellebuck is a plus 14 net rating. Um, yeah, and, any- and it likes Kyle Condor and Nikolai Ehlers, and even Mark Scheifele more than I maybe would. So, um, interesting. yeah, it just, it gives so much rating to Shifley and Kyle Connor, same way. Like Shifley's plus nine offensive rating minus one defensive for a plus eight net and Kyle Connor's plus 12 minus two defensively. So, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess it's just not quite as low on their defense, which as a projection, it's probably wise to not be stupid low on most players defensive results. Yeah. All right, on Even, to oh, – sorry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, on to the top three of this division. To me, there's, a, again, a pretty easily third-place team where I I, I kind of wanted to drop them in the tier of uh, um, Winnipeg, but I couldn't do it. I think they are better in Winnipeg. Um, the Minnesota Wild, I think, are just they're, – they're better than Winnipeg, but I don't think they're near as good as the top two teams in this division. Yeah, Chicago's last and tanking, so it's easy to pick worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league that's tanking as the worst team in the division of the teams trying to do something minnesota third was the easiest call in the entire division to me yeah absolutely um it's hilarious so by dom's projections they have a minus 17 offensive rating uh 27th in the league and a plus 36 defensive rating which is first um which equals out to 14th in the league um yeah right this is another team. So they made a couple signings in the past couple of weeks that we haven't really talked about and we can get into very quickly now. And it's just like, they're all fine. I just don't understand what this team's going for. It just kind of feels like they're trying to be the 12th best team in the league that maybe not lucks themselves in, but wins around and maybe, maybe gets a second one and goes to a conference final or something like that. And like, Half of me goes, yeah, I guess. Like it's not, but like if your ceiling is the conference final, it's not the worst thing in the world. But again, that's the absolute ceiling if everything goes right. I think the more the most likely outcome for this team is they make playoffs as the third seed and lose a, a game in six or a series in six games. Yep. Well, that's a hundred percent their most likely scenario. And it's just like that's what you've been for like ever like you tried to shed that reputation two years ago or whatever when you had Kaprasov first coming into the league and it's like you're just kind of right back there again where and we'll get into this within the watchability rankings next year they've kind of shed the the label of boring defensive team the past couple years I think that label should be right back on them they're not as boring as like the peak 2010 teams or whatever but it's not like this team is just full of offense either yeah now they're just boring but they have Kaprasov 
Yeah. And like Matthew Boldy's a fine player, Erickson Eck, even like Marco Rossi. I'm very curious to see what he can do and everything. But like, yeah, again, like they're just, they play so structured, which is obviously effective for them and everything. And that's fine. It just doesn't make for a super exciting or like high ceiling level of hockey, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. And like Erickson X effective, but like nobody's turning on the TV to watch Joel Erickson. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And it's same with like Matthew Boldy. Like I, I like him, but it's not like a game breaker or anything like that, that like you have to watch. Yeah, it's all must see TV. Cooley's one war will be more exciting than Matt Boldy's two. Yeah. Now, Kirill Kaprasov, I do think, is like top five, top ten most exciting people to watch when he is on. He is electric. And like, thank God. Yeah, exactly. And he's not always on. It's just obviously it's so hard to do that. Like, Connor, that's what makes Connor McDavid so special is you can do that 75 games a year. But, like, he'll go through, like, a five-game stretch where it's like, this dude's going to have three-game winners and, like, 12 points in five games. Yeah, he's absolutely elite. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, the thing, there's a couple things I'm curious to watch. Uh, I don't know which one I want to make officially, but their blue line is going to be interesting this year. Obviously, Matt Dumba moves out. Uh, looks like Brock Faber is going to get on in this starting lineup and maybe even in a very prominent role. Daily Faceoff has him on the top pair with Jonas Brodeen right now. Um, and then they have Jacob Middleton, Alex Goligoski, John Merrill, and Kalen Addison as well. Um Brock Faber is going to be a guy that I, I really want to see how he kind of develops. He was a second round pick in 2020, um, but definitely his stock has grown since that draft, obviously. People love Brock Faber. Yeah. Um, I, what's your model think of him? Um, I will check right now. I'm like 99% sure he looks horrible in the model. and <laughs> I know that people love him, but uh, I'll pull this up. When he was drafted, the model really didn't like him. Um, now, eh, the model still doesn't like him, but it actually sees a path to him being an NHL player, which it really didn't when he was drafted. So maybe there's something there. His best comparable is John Marino, which would be a pretty good outcome for a second-round pick. Yeah, like mid-second-round pick or whatever, if you get a – number three, number four, kind of out of that. John yeah. is probably closer to a four. Like, that's okay. His top comparable is Mike Riley. Who I'm pretty sure played in Minnesota. So, mm, yeah, I think definitely. you're right. That would be all right outcome, even still for a second round pick. Yep, I, I agree. Um, and then in net, the other thing I'm going to be really curious to see, what does Philip Gustaf- Gustafson look like this year? Because obviously he was insane last year i think everyone kind of knows he's not going to do that again this year but can that defensive system keep him at like a a 9 12 or whatever and can he just be a starting goalie going forward too because i'm not sold that he is yet but i think it's more likely than not at this point yeah i'm with you i'm excited to watch that because that also has potential the process seemed fine but to like randomly on paper look like an all-time bad trade oh yeah yeah, for autos, like, and even like I defended the trade at the time. I'm obviously less. I I more don't like it from Ottawa's perspective, not because they gave up on Gustafson, but because what they got was a 35 year old Cam Talbot back. Yeah, um, that when I said the process seemed fine, I meant the giving up on Gustafson as well. Not yeah, what... yeah, exactly. Like if they get like even like Jonas Corbusalo back in that instead, where it's like a 28, 29 year old who's just been like a starting goalie for a couple of years or whatever, it looks a lot better than 35 year old Cam Talbot who sucked. 
But yeah, like Gustafson in Ottawa went from, he looked amazing in the bubble year and then looked absolutely horrendous the next year. Um, like unplayable bad. And it, it was fine because they were tanking by the end of the year, but like he's just had ups and downs and ups and downs. So I'll be really curious to see what balances out here. Yeah, he's been a roller coaster. Um, do you have anything else you're watching with this team? Uh, not really. I'm probably not going to watch this team that much, if we're being honest. Yeah, spoiler alert to probably next week when we do the watchability rankings. I don't think these guys are going to be very high. They like had a hundred and three points last year. Yep. I'm going to say they're projected for 90, 98 and a half. It's 95.5. Nice. I, that's lower than I was expecting. That's kind of where I, I, I think that's the right range. I just didn't think the market would over like, correct that much for them, but. Yeah. I would, I, would, I, I would stay away from this one, but I maybe lean over if you had to force me to choose one. I was thinking that as well. I wouldn't, wouldn't touch it but if you had to. Yeah, I just because again, like this division's so bad, I could absolutely see them just stealing points all year off of St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago, Nashville. Yeah, and with the the defenseman they have, like there there's a path, there's a high floor because the team's gonna play good defense. Yeah, if you told me they had 13 overtime losses or whatever, it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and they have enough confidence forwards that they're not gonna be like or no, they're not gonna be dynamic offensively, but I don't think they're gonna be like bad enough to sell what the defensive team yeah. structure can do. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, moving on to the top tier, competing for the division. Uh, I'm assuming you had both these teams in the top tier as well, Chase. Yeah, this is competing for the Stanley Cup tier. Not yeah. just Yeah, cool. exactly. Who did you have second in this division? This one killed me. I defaulted to giving the team we've seen do it for longer the benefit of the doubt, and I put Dallas. That's exactly what I did too. I like Dom has Dallas projected to 105.1 and Colorado 104.5, so very close. I think that's like right in the range. I just flipped them a little bit to again, like we've seen Colorado be so good for a number of years. I think they're going to get a little healthier this year. Obviously, no Landis Cog sucks, but like. I just, that's why I went on them over a little bit. Let's start with Dallas real quick. Uh, you know, we, we'll speed this up. Uh, these two teams are very good. I, I think either, either of these teams should be considered like in that group of like eight, nine teams that could definitely win the cup at the beginning of the year. And that should be the goal coming into the season. Um, I, I really, really liked what Dallas did this off season. They obviously had a good year last year, you know, guys like um, um, Wyatt Johnson, and Ty Delon- uh, Delandra really surprised, I would say, for them. Uh, but they didn't say that's enough. We're, we're definitely good. You know, obviously, they re-signed Evgeny Dadanov for the guy the deadline. They went and signed Matt Duchesne, $3 million one year, one of my favorite contracts of the entire summer. Uh, they, they signed Craig Smith for some depth. You know, they're they're hoping for a bounce back from Mason Marchman, who had a really bad year last year. Um, but, you know, I just, I think their, their forward core is very, very deep and well-rounded. Their defense core is pretty similar, and they have Jake Ottinger in net, which is a great way to start. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very complete team. I really like what they did. I didn't love their depth last year, but, I mean, they kind of overhauled that. They they look great. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like right now, their lines are projected. Robertson, Hints, Pavelski, that's up there for one of the best first lines in the league, in my opinion, quietly. Like not probably not like top two or anything, but it's a very, very good first line. Mason Marchman, Matt Duchesne, Tyler Sagan. I'm Jamie Ben, Wyatt Johnson, Evgeny Dadnoff. So I'm a little, the, the, the middle six is like, I think this is very volatile where I could see that being very, very good. And, you know, Wyatt Johnson reinvigorates Jamie Ben for a second straight year. I could also see some of the age in that middle six being a bit of a problem and them not being quite as good as we see, but I think they're fine bets to take. Yeah, that's fair. The age could hurt them actually more than I'm kind of thinking could. But also they they have some legitimate upside. Like Duchesne could be really, really good in that middle six. Yeah, and like Wyatt Johnson again too as a third line center is gross. And then Sam Steele, Radic Fatska, Ty Delandria as their fourth line. On defense, Ryan Suter, Miro Heiskinen, Thomas Harley, Yanni Hunkenpa, Essa Lindell, Niels Lundqvist. Ryan Suter's usage is going to be something I'm very fascinated with this year because he is not great. And they used him a lot last year to the point where it was actively detrimental for them in the playoffs. Yeah, I was going to say they were complete. They're going to need to add a defenseman, I would think, or at least look to do so. Yeah, and like there was at times last year where it's like if you just give Thomas Harley the usage you're getting suitor, I think you would look even a lot better than you already do. Yeah, at least there's hope. And you get information on Thomas Harley, who contract year. <laughs> I would like the information if I was them. Yep, I, I completely agree. So um yeah, and then like Essel and Del Neal's Lundquist. Lundquist has some upside as well, but we're, I think his clock is starting to kind of run out about like, can he actually show that he can do it? Uh, and then, as I mentioned, Jake Ottinger net is the closest you can get to, I think he's just outside the elite tier, but he's the most likely in the NHL to take the jump up into that like top five, top six range, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. He's young. He's been great. Everything you would want to want in a goalie. He's managed to accomplish thus far. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah, I, I really like this team. I, I think they'll be uh, very good. I, I guess the thing I'm going to watch is I want to see what Matt Duchesne looks like uh, in this offense. Yeah, I like that pick. That would probably have been mine, too. I always like watching Heisken in with this team just because the numbers and then what people think of them look so much different. <laughs> yep, very fair. Uh, this team was a 108-point team last year. Uh, again, Dom has them projected at 105.1. I'll say the markets, I'm going to guess the markets are like 104 and a half. 105 and a half. All right there. Okay. Yeah. I genuinely don't, would not want to pick over under here. I maybe would shade under if you had to make me choose just because I think with the age, there is a little concern, but again, like I could really see that going either way. Yeah, it's a it's another good line. I wouldn't touch it. It's tough with these really high ones because you know you can put up 102 points and you're still a really good team, right? Yeah, or it takes like one injury to Jake Ottinger. It's like, yeah, you have no hope of getting that now. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh all right, the Colorado Avalanche then on the final team. They are obviously first for both of us. And um, you know, it, it's weird to think uh, I'm expecting a bounce back year from this team, which again, like they were still a 109 point team last year. It's weird to say I'm expecting them to bounce back, but they, they just went through so many injuries last year and never 
even though they had 109 points, which just absolutely speaks to the volume of their high-end players, in my opinion, it never really felt like this team was like firing on all cylinders. And they are another team I've absolutely loved the depth move that they have gone and added this summer. Yeah, this team's very smart. And that's pretty uncontroversial. They're very, very good. They never really looked scarier than even last year, which is weird for a 109-point team, or at least relative to what you'd think they could could have been. Yeah, exactly. And again, like some of that was just, it felt like there was always a guy injured. You know, people were expecting Landeskog to come back at some point. He never did. So, and then obviously the Chushkin stuff in the playoffs was very interesting to see, I guess is the right word. I don't know if sad or scary. I I don't know. It was just a weird situation, but they go and add Ryan Johansson. So it's funny that uh, two division opponents of Nashville kind of pick off the two centermen that they didn't want. And I love the move for both of them, even though I didn't love them as Nashville's one and two, I feel like as two on both these teams, they're okay. Um, they had Jonathan drew who is right now slotted to play on the left wing of Nathan McKinnon and then and Miko Rantanen. And I think that's a kind of perfect spot. If he's going to re uh, reinvigorate his career here, uh, obviously they have Lekkonen, they have Nachushkin who's going to play along Johansson. They add miles wood, Ross Colton and Thomas Tatar. So they overhaul that entire third line, and I really, really think that could be a very good third line. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a really good forward core, and they're they feel a lot more anti fragile last year. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously Devon Taves is one of the most underrated players, in my opinion, in the league. Uh, Kale McCarr is amazing. Uh, Bone Byram, Josh Manson, Samuel Gerard, Jack Johnson, rounding out that D core, um, and then in net they have. Um, Alexander Gorgiev and uh, Eustace Anudin. Is that how I pronounce his last name? I have no idea. I and, don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to know. Yeah. And then um, Frank Kuz is also on long-term injury reserve. I didn't see what happened with him, but I just can't say I'm shocked, sadly. He just can't stay uh, healthy. He's, been, he's so much. It's shitty. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, just a very solid team. Like again, they they are probably top five likely to win the cup, and they absolutely should be. Uh, their forward core is great. Their defense core is very solid, and obviously just has such a high ceiling with Makar and Taves. And their goaltending, Gorgiev was amazing last year. I think he maybe regresses a little this year, but if he's just like nine oh eight or whatever, that's more than enough for this team. Yeah, exactly. They won a cup without great goaltending. They're one of the first teams to do it in forever. They're they're good enough to sustain that. Yeah, exactly. So um, what are you keeping an eye on with this team this year? That is a very good question. This team's in a spot where it's almost hard to be interested in that much um, because we kind of know what we're getting out of so many of the important players. But I'm going to watch Drew in. I used yep, to love Drew. I think he was going to be great. So be that's a good one. And he's shown flashes at times. He's never really put it all together. Uh, the one I'm going to watch is the one guy that I still think could be a key player for this team, but needs to put it all together because he just has kind of underwhelmed and injuries have played a part in that. And that's what is Bowen Byron this year. Is he like a legit top pair guy who ends up being a number three for this team? Or is he a guy who gets hurt and is closer to a four or five instead? Because if he's a legit like top pair, who's actually just playing number three, that makes this defense core so disgustingly deep. But if he's just like an okay slash not as good second pair defenseman, you know, it, it suddenly pokes a little bit of a hole in this lineup. 
Yeah, that is that would be their main hole if depending on how that develops. Yeah, so that's just going to be the thing well, I am curious to see. You know, obviously with all the hype he had coming out of the draft. Yes, I agree. I don't think he's ever really put everything together yet. Has he had a, what, like a big season yet? No, I don't think so. And every time he's looked decent, he gets hurt from what I remember. So, and like, I think, like, he hasn't been bad. I don't, if I'm, and I'm just going to go pull up some of the numbers here. From what I remember looking last year, he wasn't like bad or anything. It just wasn't like amazing either, you know? Like, it was just fine. Yeah, that sounds about right. I've been waiting for him to put everything together. And I assume they have been too. Yeah. Yeah. Like last year, he was basically dead even he was a little he was negative but a standard deviation negative and expected goals four per 60 and just under standard deviation positive and course he against per 60 and then everything else was lower than a standard deviation year before that was similar except everything was slightly positive so just like an average-ish defender yeah so again if he can make that jump where everything's positive and it's like more than just a little bit that is crucial for this team i think yeah so 109 points last year. They, I'm going to say they're projected for 105 for Dallas. I'm going to say 107 and a half for no 106 and a half. It's actually 105.5 as well. Hmm, interesting. I mean, I think that's fair enough. Like as we said, these two teams are very close. I weirdly, I'm going to take the over with them. As you said, they feel a lot less fragile than Dallas. I do think maybe the smarter play would be the under, just because. One injury to like Gorgiev and this team might be in trouble in terms of now they have 900 gold setting instead of 908. But I I just really like this team, so I'm going to take the over slightly. I wouldn't bet on it though. Yeah, if I had to pick a side, I'd also the over. They hit the over last year despite a whole bunch of stuff going wrong. I mean, they can never together. So if you really made me choose, I would be there. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have anything else on this division at all? I don't think so. Me either. Uh, I'm just super excited that hockey is back. Um, and I can't wait to just, you know, get started. And we'll, we'll be here every week talking about the season, breaking things down, what we're seeing, and just, you know, trends, injuries, all that good stuff. So definitely be sure to join us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sons and Stuff, Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Uh, we are going to be setting up a Twitter account for this podcast as well. Uh, I will get the official handle for you next week, but it'll probably be something around MNM Hockey Podcast or something. So keep an eye on both of our Twitters for that. We will definitely plug it. Uh, you can find all of Chase's work on his Substack and my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. We hope you're just as excited as we are for the season to be back, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.